don't think too much about names, but, um, but we all have names, right? And uh, we're usually named for, I think, three different reasons, possible reasons. Uh, maybe you're named after someone. Your parents named you after someone. Uh, maybe a family member or someone famous. Uh, uh, sometimes it's because a name sounds really cool that someone picks that. Uh, or sometimes it means the name has a special meaning. Um, and that's how it gets chosen. Um, and the popular names, as a result, over the years change. Um, so way, way back in ancient history, when I was born, um, the, uh, the popular names, the most popular names were, uh, actually, anyone have a guess for, for girls? Mary's always good. Elizabeth. It was Lisa, actually. This is in the United States. But, and for boys, it was Michael. And then uh, when we started having kids, 20-something uh, years later, uh, Michael was still the most popular name, believe it or not, uh, for boys. And for girls, it was Jessica. Uh, anyone know today what the most popular names for a boy and a girl are, by any chance? Liam and Emma. Liam and Emma. So if you're named Liam or Emma, welcome to the club. Uh, great names. Uh, sometimes, you know, we get a name and... and the meaning is something unexpected. We don't know the meaning. We maybe like the name. Uh, so I like my name. My name's Paul, but actually it means minuscule. That's what it means. So I guess if it were based on meaning, I might have chosen a different name, but I'm good with Paul. The name Emma means whole or universal. That's really cool. Pretty deep, you know. My name is Emma. I'm, I'm, my name means universal. Liam means resolute, protect. Cool name. Um, that's a great name. Uh, well, Jesus' name has a lot of meaning. Uh, and that's what I really want to talk about, is what his name means and why he was named this. So we're going to look in this passage in Matthew 1, 18-25, where it talks about him being named, and just kind of dig into what that, what that means and what we learn about Jesus. So Lord, bless the reading and hearing of your word this evening, we pray. It says in Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together... She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophets. Quote, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Matthew uh, chapter 1, 18 through 25. Let me switch to this mic. Something wrong with my side thing. I don't know. I'll switch to this mic. So you guys don't have to hear the crackles. So this passage is talking about the names of Jesus. We can see that here. Uh, and we see that he's to be named Jesus. That's what the angel tells Joseph in the dream. 
Uh, and we see this mentioned twice, actually. Uh, in the dream, he's told to name him Jesus. And then at the end, it says that he called his name Jesus. And then in the middle, it has this other name that he's to be named, Emmanuel. I don't know, maybe you didn't know that Jesus uh, is named something besides Jesus. There's, he's to be called Emmanuel as well. So I just want to dig into this a little bit and, and figure it out and kind of see why God would have this in his word and what it means for us. The name Jesus actually uh, is the Greek form of the Hebrew name Joshua. So Jesus and Joshua are actually the same name. It's just the Greek form. So the Bible was written in Greek originally, so it has it that way. But his name is Joshua. Actually, his name comes from the Hebrew uh, and a word, basically the phrase, which is Yahushua, which means God or Yahweh is salvation. So that's what his name means, God. Uh, Yahweh being his covenantal name, uh, he, he is salvation. That's what his name means. And then in the middle, it says he's to be called, they should call his name Emmanuel. Um, and so the angel quotes from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Um, and that's taken from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. And actually, just a little... Uh, Bible study hint, when you're studying the scriptures, when it quotes something, uh, just one verse, it expects you to understand actually the whole context. And so if you went back into Isaiah chapter 7, you'd see actually five chapters worth of explanation about this, this king and this savior that would come. And there's loads of stuff in that whole section. And so at some point in time, take a, take a look at that around chapter 7 through chapter 12. Um, and Jesus comes and he actually fulfills all those five chapters worth of stuff actually there's way more than just that that he fulfills but certainly this verse his name being called Emmanuel uh, being born of a virgin is part of that um, by the way uh, Jesus fulfilled uh, 60 or so major prophecies in the Old Testament um, it's really amazing that he did this this particular prophecy from Isaiah chapter 7 was uh, was given 700 years before Jesus way before right so that's like someone in the 1300s that's like William Wallace actually saying something about you that's accurate in your life so that's how far ahead it was uh, it's amazing and actually there's some guys who've done calculations on what the likelihood that any person uh, could fulfill these certain prophecies they just calculated eight of the 60 and did a statistical calculation you know how likely would this be to happen and it's basically it's one in uh, 10 to the 17th that's just numbers it's it's almost a billion billions one in a billion billions they use an illustration in the book they wrote to, to explain it it's it's like if you took a silver dollar and you put a smiley face on it and threw it in Texas somewhere but not only did that but you threw two feet two feet deep worth of silver dollars throughout the whole state as well and you put on a blindfold and you just kind of were set down somewhere in Texas. You reached down and picked up the right coin with a smiley face on it. That's the chances that one person could fulfill just, just uh, eight of these prophecies. And yet Jesus fulfills uh, 60 major prophecies. So it's just amazing, just a little side point uh, on this prophecy. Uh, but this is given to help us understand something about him. Uh, and the name Emmanuel uh, means... God is with us. So you have his name Jesus, God is salvation, and then Emmanuel means God is with us. And so you might look at this section and think, okay, what's going on? There seems like there's some name confusion. You know, this is, makes you think of young parents, right? They don't know how to name their kids and there's different options. Is that what's going on with Jesus? No. 
actually, uh, these, these are things that he's to be called, and they go together. And that's why they're given to us here in Scripture, because God wants us to understand what these names mean and how they fit together. Um, so he's both God is our salvation and God is with us. Probably important to understand what the Bible means when it says salvation. Not a word we necessarily use a lot in just everyday language. Um, salvation means being saved from something, being rescued from something. But there's a fuller meaning in Scripture. Uh, it's being rescued from something that's from a destructive state, a dangerous state, and brought into a place of restoration and, and success. So salvation in Scripture is not just being rescued like, you know, something bad was going to happen and you were rescued from that. You know, you were in, in your house and it was on fire and someone got you out. It's more than that. It's actually they took you out of the house and then they put you in a palace. So when the Bible says that God is our salvation, that's what it means. It's not just taking us out of trouble, but bringing us into restoration and success. And so Jesus' name means that uh, because he's going to save uh, God's people from their sins. That's kind of where the name Emmanuel comes in. Because God's way to do this is not from a distance, not just from somewhere you know, out in the universe where we think he, maybe he dwells, he's just going to do something. He actually enters in to our experience. He enters into humanity. He becomes, God himself becomes a human being. So he comes to, to solve this problem uh, that we're in by becoming a human being. Um, he, he comes and lives in our midst. He becomes a person. He enters into our experience. He enters into human suffering. He enters actually into the entirety, really, of human experience as a man and as God. He's God with us. He's not God is distant. He's God with us, and he's God is salvation. Now, background, of course, there's a real problem uh, that he comes to fix. The problem is that, that despite all the good things around us and, and despite kind of the, the, the feel-good you know, aspect of Christmas maybe we're enjoying right now and the lights and, and just being together with family and friends and the love that you feel, there's a real problem out there, right? Uh, if we're honest with what's going on in the world. As we look past the season to what's going on, and even right now during this season, the sorts of things that are going on out there, there's, there's a brokenness. There's, a, there's evil in the world. There's strife. The 20th century was the bloodiest century in history. Of all the war deaths in all of history, two-thirds of them were in the 20th century. And so despite all the technological pro progress we see and so forth, uh, the world is still terribly broken and full of evil. And, and sin and, and, and just estrangement from God and from one another. But it's not just outside that there's a problem. The Bible teaches us clearly that it's also inside. As a matter of fact, that's where the outside problem comes from. Because if we're honest with ourselves, there's a war that, that wages within our own hearts. There's this uh, natural disposition in humanity to, to want to live apart from God and his good ways. And, and though he's creator and he's made himself known in the goodness and the order of creation, we left to ourselves really don't want anything to do with him per se. We'll take his creation. We'll take his goodness. We'll take his order. But please, we don't want to have to bow our knee and, and somehow live with God in this way. And so there's this estrangement from God. And, and that works itself out in all sorts of ways. For some of us, it's actually uh, very acceptable and orderly. And we're just, you know, we're self-made people. 
and we just decided to be good people on our own and live our lives on our own and, and we're not a religious people and yet that still is basically saying to God you know I don't need you it's done in a certain way and it may seem peaceable but it's really no different than someone who actually lives contrary to God consciously they do the things they know they ought not to do and they do it to an extreme because in both cases we're saying God we'll take your good stuff but not you and that's really the root of all of our problems the problems that we have in society the problems in our own lives is this broken relationship with God it's choosing our own way instead of God's way and the Bible calls it sin uh, and it leads to all sorts of destruction it wreaks havoc interpersonally wreaks havoc, havoc spiritually for us it wreaks havoc in terms of countries and nations as well that's the problem that's the problem and yet God in his great mercy and love it's amazing because he could have just said okay guys you want that go ahead choose your own way and if we do choose your, our own way we'll live eternally in that state yet in his great love for us he desires that none should perish none should continue in this state and and live in it forever because that's that's what happens if we choose it he gives us the consequences of our choices which is eternal separation yet in his great love he becomes God with us born as a baby put in a manger living a, a humble and lowly life and then living this righteous life as God with us that's a life of love for his father in every way and love for others is life that shows us what humanity ought to be in loving and sacrificially serving others using all of his power to do good not evil and he does that to the point of even death on the cross he goes to the cross voluntarily and that's part of the the wonder of all this and his great love for us and being God amongst us he not only shows us what a human ought to be but as this ultimate human and God himself he goes to the cross voluntarily to offer up his righteous life in our place and this wonderful exchange 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 21 uh, says it this way uh, he made him who knew no sin speaking of Jesus to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God this is the wonderful exchange on the cross he took our sins on himself he took the consequences of our choices on himself and bore that penalty in full to the point of dying and being separated from his father in, in ways we can't quite comprehend to pay for my sin to pay for your sins and then he offers his righteous life, his beautiful, glorious life in our stead so that through simple faith in him, and that's really how it is in scripture. It's not a complicated thing. It, you don't have to you know, get your life right to somehow get right with God. The, the most important thing that you do is just simply turn away from that, that lifestyle of self-definition, self-righteousness, and what the Bible calls sin, and you turn and receive what Jesus has done for you. And there's this wonderful exchange. All your sins are put on him, paid for by him. And now God in his love and justice credits you with Christ's righteousness and receives you as a son or daughter in his family. That's what salvation is. It's to be rescued from that destruction, to be brought to that life, to be brought into a relationship with God. And it only just begins at that moment where you believe because then he starts to work in your life. 
to teach you more about his love and his ways, to help you become more like Jesus. And the Bible makes very clear that the salvation actually is not yet complete because Christ is reigning right now, wanting this good news to go everywhere. And when the work is done, he'll return and he'll restore all of creation. That's a sure promise, just as sure as he rose from the dead. He's coming back to bring his salvation to completion. That's the good news, and that's what his names mean. He's both Jesus and Emmanuel. He's God is our salvation, and he's God is with us to bring that salvation. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. And there's no better Christmas gift that any of us could ever know than to know salvation and God with us in Jesus Christ. May God bless each one of us just with the wonder of this amazing gift given to us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this great gift of salvation and your life lived among us to rescue us. Now, as we continue to sing, fill us with your joy. Grant us faith to put our trust in you once again and to live in this great salvation you've given us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.